Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of March Madness 365. It is late night on April 6th. Yes, early morning, April 6th. Coming to you here from the JW Marriott after walking over from Lucas Oil Stadium. What a performance. Dominating, dominating performance. 86-70 to 70 victory by Baylor over Gonzaga. They beat Houston by 19. We were ready to crown Gonzaga the national champs at 32-0 and and talk about the history of that. First team since Indiana in 1976 to be undefeated. That did not happen. Baylor with an impressive Dominant performance, it's akin to maybe 2018 Villanova, 2009 North Carolina, maybe 1990 UNLV. They're going to go down, I think, in the top five of impressive, dominating Final Four performances. They absolutely popped Gonzaga from the moment that they stepped on the floor. Momentarily on this podcast, I will be joined by National Championship Head Coach Scott Drew with an exclusive one-on-one here that I taped with him when he got back to his hotel at the Marriott, basically about less than a half hour of meeting the media and being in the locker room. Join me here in March Madness 365, which very proud that we have that credibility within the sport to get you the biggest names in the sport immediately after their greatest moments. And Scott Drew had it so incredible. Think back and we'll talk about this, about what they went through when he took over in 2003. For those that maybe don't remember, that Baylor program was at the bottom. Prior to that, Patrick Denny, he was murdered by a player. And then subsequently, the violations that Baylor had under Dave Bliss were covered up. They lied about Patrick Dennehy, and it was just an awful situation. Historically bad. They were reduced scholarships, no non-conference games one year. It was a brutal penalty. And yet, Scott Drew came from being at Valpo for one year, taking over for his dad, Homer Drew, the Butler grad, born and bred in the sport, from Indiana, comes down to Waco 18 years later. Now, they've had great success, mind you. Elite Eight, Sweet 16, number one seed last year would have been number one seed this year. But he caps it with a national championship 2021 in the state of Indiana, where he was from. It's really remarkable. It's first championship for the school, but also in the state of Texas. The last one, it's crazy. As talented a state as that is. And the last one was 1966 Texas Western. So this performance, 22 from Jared Butler, 19 from Macy Oteague, Davion Mitchell had 15, Adam Flagler had 13, Mark Vitale had 11 boards. He was just awesome. Their whole team, they ended up making 10 threes. And Gonzaga, you know, Jalen Suggs finished with 22. Drew Timmy really struggled to get his 12 and was in foul trouble. Andrew Nemhard, he was in foul trouble, never got off. Corey Kispert struggled 2 of 7 at 12. You know, they ended up 5 of 17 from threes. This got ugly in the first half. They cut it to 10. Then it shot up to 20 in the second Right when they got it under nine, it just went right back up and ballooned. So in every way, Baylor won this game from in the first four minutes. It was just absolutely impressive. But I do want to say this, and we'll have plenty of time in this podcast in the offseason, but Gonzaga going 31-1. and one. Think about who they beat. I don't want to hear any 
crap about league and all that. We've talked about this, the schedule they created on the fly, but Iowa and South Dakota, Kansas and Auburn and Florida to start the season, West Virginia and Indianapolis, Virginia and Fort Worth, won every game in the WCC and in the tournament after being down double figures to BYU. In the tournament, beat Oklahoma, Creighton, USC, UCLA, and then lose to Baylor. 31-1. and It's unbelievable. I mean, cannot dismiss the season that they had. That it was historic. So I want to get to my interview with Scott Drew. After that, we're going to do our Cats Ranks, my top memories of the 2021 tournament. And then we'll tease a little of the Power 36 that we will debut this week. Here he is, Scott Drew, National Championship Coach. Back in his hotel room after getting drenched, (laughs) fresh from Lucas Oil Stadium. Scott, unbelievable. This is a word that comes to my mind. If you can describe what you just went through in completing a dominating weekend at the Final Four. Well, coaching is really like being a parent. And when you see your kids and everybody happy, it just makes you so happy. And our motto has been joy and uh, Jesus, others, yourself. And all year long, our guys have put teammates ahead of them. And because of that, you have special moments like this. And you're just able to hug, love, and appreciate what everyone sacrificed. And before I go any further, Dan Gavitt, the NCA, what you guys have done, these memories don't exist if it weren't for you guys. And again, after last year, we can't thank the NCA enough for making it possible. Scott, you guys had a punch like I don't know if I've seen ever before, and I've been doing this a long time, since 92. That opening pop was just lethal. I mean, what was the plan right off the bat? First of all, we have so much respect for Gonzaga and Coach Few. He's a Hall of Fame coach. And I mean, they had just a special year and such a talented group. And we knew we had to play our best. And that's one thing about our our players. The better the opponent, when the best is needed, they've always arise to the occasion. And you look at it the last two years, it's the winningest program in the Power Five. And that's, I mean, in the Big 12, the seven ranked teams, you're battle tested. And these guys have always answered the bell. They put their best foot forward. And the last two games, really, uh, those first halves have been special. What did you need to do in that first four to five minutes to put them way back on their heels? First of all, I think it's our defensive pressure sets the tone. And then when you can get stops, our transition's elite. And then we were able to get out and go. And then holding Timmy, obviously, to limit his touches, that was helpful. And because we were aggressive, we were able to draw some early fouls on Suggs. And uh, that obviously affected the game. Credit Coach View and his staff, you know they're going to come back and make a run. And they cut it to 10 at half. And credit our guys. I don't know if we lost a media in the second half, but we were really consistent the entire second half. Never let them really get a chance to make a run. I mean, you guys were five for five, if I'm not mistaken, your first threes carrying over from what you did against Houston. What's your response as to how sharp the shooting was in these two games? I mean, I know you've had a lot of good games shooting, but you guys were just locked in from the perimeter. We're the number one three-point shooting team in college basketball. If we get good looks, we expect them to go down. And credit to the guys really uh, playing for each other. Last game we had against Houston, 23 uh, assists for 29 buckets. And then tonight, I don't know what we finished assist-wise, but we only had nine turnovers and we really shared the ball well. Mark Vitale is not a name that we talked a lot about, but we probably should have. He was a movable object and just really dominated his position. What did you need out of him pregame? Well, to, to begin with, you got to own the glass. When you're not making shots, you got to get second chance opportunities. And really, uh, 16 to 5 second chance points was a big difference. We're sixth best offensive rebounding team in the country, and Mark's a big reason for that. And he had eight rebounds. He'd been in foul trouble uh, the last few games. So I told him he was rested. So he was ready to go. But uh, again, when they know that it's going to require their best, they bring their best. Scott, you know, you guys had a long COVID pause. We talked a lot about this in the month of February. And who knows what would happen? And maybe it's 
armchair quarterbacking by me to say this, but had that not happened, you think there's a chance this team would have gone undefeated and been storming to this title? I think definitely we could have, but uh, God always has a plan, just like we didn't play that game on December 5th. And Coach Few and I at that point agreed, hey, if we're going to play it on April 5th, we're both good with that. I told him before the game, if if we're going to lose, losing to someone like him is who I'd want to lose to because he's such a class act and a good friend. Our guys, I mean, maybe the the 21-day pause also made us appreciate the opportunity to play and uh, miss each other because, I mean, I can't tell you how much fun we've had in the bubble. I mean, from Connect Four champions to Uno champions to we got some cornhole guys now that are really good. I don't know if there'll be any more tournaments, but uh, Connect Four cornhole, stay away from our guys for sure. (laughs) You know, Scott, we were talking a lot of history about Gonzaga. Had they gone undefeated, 31-1 and is unbelievable. What should history say about this Baylor team? I have to look at the final numbers, but obviously over a two-year period, one of the most dominant teams in college basketball. And what I love about it is growing up, we all look up to uh, who's in the NCAA tournament, who's winning and who's advancing. And I couldn't be any more proud of uh, the young people out there that have role models like Jared Butler and Davion Mitchell and Macy Oteague and on and on and on, because these guys are really quality young men, great role models. I can tell you that uh, you would love to have your daughter marry someone like this. So, I mean, it's great for college basketball. It's great for college athletics. Most of all, it's great for the youth out there to see role models like this. Scott, you are born and bred into basketball. You know how I feel about your family. Yeah, you're the adopted son. (laughs) I know. Your your dad never had a chance to experience this. Yeah. What do you think this means to him and to you for him to have him see you achieve the greatest thing in the sport? He achieved it tonight because I know I wouldn't have been where I'm at without him. And he's taught me everything I know about coaching. And uh, it was great having my mom there too. And I'm just so blessed that they were around to be able to be here to see this, to celebrate it. Because the best compliment a son can give his dad or one of them is to follow in his footsteps. And that's why I wanted to coach. Looking forward to giving him a hug soon. Again, it's a blessed night. I know we're all excited. The eighth floor on the the Marriott's going to be loud tonight. I can promise you. You know, this has been incredibly difficult for Bryce, too, because of yeah. the tragic death of Oscar Freire. What do you think also this was for Bryce to see his brother, his older brother, his best friend to win a title in, in what has been obviously a very difficult couple of weeks for him? I know my brother, like watching his games are so hard for me because it's uh, harder to watch him play than it is to watch us play and want it so much for him. And uh, we're so close. I know he's really happy. and I know he's really pleased. He usually thinks he jinxes us when he watches. So I'm glad we were able to get a win. Otherwise, he might never have come to another game. Obviously, uh, thoughts and prayers go out to Oscar's family. And a blessing, 11 days before this, he accepted Christ. And we know he won the game of life. He's in heaven. Uh, He ain't missing any jumpers up there, but I know we all miss him. And uh, so proud of my brother's staff and their team for just how much they've loved each other during this time, because I know it's really hard. And Scott, the thing that's been thrown about, and I was there before you got hired and saw what happened at the end at Baylor. This is maybe the greatest rebuild ever based on where this program was at rock bottom when you took over. When you hear that, that this may go down as one of the greatest rebuilds from that point to winning a national championship, and you didn't have to win one. But you did. What does that make you feel when you hear that? Like a proud parent because just see the Baylor family, fans all celebrate, be excited. Our students, administration, Mac Rhodes, President Livingstone, they've given us all the support and resources. We have such good people at the university. Obviously, our past players have worked so hard for this. Last year's past players, Tristan, Freddie, Devontae in the stands all watching. Uh, Everyone's a part of this. The state of Texas, we haven't had a champion since 1966. So uh, excited for them, excited for the city of Waco, excited for college 
basketball. I mean, you saw two great programs. More importantly, you saw really class individuals that are great role models. And if any of your kids want to look up to these players for Gonzaga or Baylor, uh, you're going to be well thought of if they end up liking. And the last thing, Scott, you mentioned Dan at the beginning, and a big thank you to him, obviously, and his staff and Joanne Scott to pulling this off. You know, in the two tournaments, men and women, there was only one canceled game, that VCU-Oregon game. You know, there's no asterisk here. This was as earned as any championship, if not more so, ever. Uh, If you could just put into words or a perspective what this title was like to earn in a pandemic and everything that you guys had to go through in the last three weeks finishing up really four weeks when you count the Big 12 tournament in a bubbled situation? I think it was the best of college athletics. And what I mean by that was players were so grateful and appreciative for opportunities to play games, especially after they had been canceled uh, so many during the year. The coaches working together and scheduling games when maybe normally in the past they wouldn't do that. And they said, you know what, we want our players to play games. We want to help them out. Administrations had hired so many people medically to make sure we provided safe environments for them. And these are memories that will last a lifetime. And if the NCA didn't put together. And Dan, I know how hard they worked to make this happen. Again, uh, we're also blessed and appreciative of it. And I can tell you, after not having the tournament last year, everybody's so uh, happy to be back. And again, it's the best of everybody coming out. Scott, congratulations. You are a national championship coach. We are a national championship coach because you're part of the family, all right? <laughs> Appreciate you, Andy. Andy Katz, that guy will rank his wife's dinners. He'll rank anything. And now here on Cats Ranks for my top 10 memories of the NCAA Tournament 2021. Not necessarily moments, but memories. Star number 10, Eric Musselman leading Arkansas to the Elite Eight, standing on that scores table. Really remarkable run for Arkansas. He's made them relevant again, which is good for the state, good for the SEC, good for college basketball. At number nine, the hug. To me, the hug is Kelvin Sampson hugging his son, Kellen, his daughter, Lauren. They rebuilt this Houston program from the ground up to the Final Four. Kellen assistant, played for him at Oklahoma. Lauren is the director of external relations at Houston. This was a family affair. Mom, wife, Karen in the stands. This family built this Houston program back. So the hug. At number eight, Loyola Chicago's Cameron Crutwig had an awesome defensive play where he showed out, knocked it off Io DeSumo's leg, goes out of bounds, he's jumping up and down, got Loyola to the Sweet 16. At number seven, the buzzer beater at the end of regulation, Alex Reese for Alabama to put Alabama into overtime against UCLA. They ultimately lost, but that was certainly a great moment. At number six, Joe Pleasant from Abilene Christian, less than 50% free throw shooter, makes both free throws, and Abilene Christian knocks off Texas in the first round. By far, maybe the biggest upset in the entire tournament. At number five, Max Asmus and Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts. The run they had, the points they produced, they never came out of the game, knocking off Ohio State, Florida, giving Arkansas quite a run in the Sweet 16. That was definitely a memory for me watching those two of them play. At number four, Johnny Juzang. His whole month of March was phenomenal. The run he had for UCLA to get the Bruins within a whisker of going to the national championship game. He had an effort for the ages. And I will remember John Juzang for UCLA and all he did in March. At number three, Baylor's beatdown in the Final Four of Houston and of Gonzaga. I mean, that was by far one of the most impressive performances we have seen. Top five, no question, of a team in the Final Four in two games. At number two, top two memories for me come from the same guy. In the national semifinal, Jalen Suggs, the block, recovering against Cody Riley, saving it, and the threaded bounce pass to streaking Drew Timmy for a dunk. Unbelievable play. Athleticism off the charts. 
knowing where his feet are, his teammates, that was the play of the tournament. The shot of the tournament is number one. His three-pointer, banked, gets the ball with three seconds left out of bounds. Game winner, Gonzaga, at that point, 31-0, gets to the title game. So that is my top 10 memories of the NCAA Tournament 2021. All right, so let's look at the Power 36 that you're going to see on our social media handles. This is the main thing. The early entry date is May 30th. You're looking at July 19th to withdraw from the NBA draft. Draft's going to be July 29th. Roster's going to be in so influx. There's over 1,000 players in the transfer portal. So that's going to be a whole thing. So some highlights. UCLA, Michigan, Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas, Purdue, Ohio State, Maryland, Villanova, Alabama. I think that collection of teams, Houston, Arkansas, they're all going to be at the elite. And then after that, like we've seen this year, I think you're going to have a whole cluster of teams. Someone's going to merge from the middle of the pack. I did include Oral Roberts if Max A. Smith and Kevin O'Banner come back. Recruiting classes galore and some of those top teams I mentioned. So dive into it. Digest it. There's a number of teams that I think probably I didn't mention that people are going to question, and that's okay. It's just going to change a million times. And so we're going to do this throughout the spring and the summer. With all the transfers, it's going to change a lot. So (laughs) that's a little bit of tease to what we've got in that. So you can check that out on our social media handles. All right. I want to thank our incredible team at Turner Sports, Chad Acock, Abby Soltz, Michael Kaplan, the entire NCW.com team, our Bleacher Report crew that's come on board that's really done a great job. It has been quite a run, and everyone has put in incredible hours to get this to the finish line. We're not finished. We keep going, but... We got it done. A shout out to Dan Gavitt, Joanne Scott, their incredible team to get the men's tournament done. Dave Warlock and his communications team. Only one cancellation. The Indy Sports Corporation here. You know, Lynn Holtzman and her team down in San Antonio, they didn't have any cancellation. Nina King, the Duke Associate Athletic Director, the women's chair. Mitch Barnhart, the men's chair and the committee. They just did a remarkable job. Bravo to everyone. Thanks for sticking with us. Stay safe, and we will talk soon.